0: on this Maundy Thursday, and we are in the fifth day of Holy Week. We have been walking through each day, allowing each day's focus to shake us up, because this week shakes the whole world. It shook it then, it shakes it now, if we allow it. And so I hope that you've been allowing it. I hope you've been opening yourself and offering yourself in a new way and really considering the story. Today is really going to shake things up because it shook up the disciples in a way that uh, is almost comical, but is also beautiful and challenging and inspiring and deep. So we're gonna read from the 13th chapter of the gospel account that we traditionally call John. And this gospel account is very different from the other three older gospel accounts. This one is just layered with themes and meanings and symbols and double meanings. And they just build on top of one another in a way that is just completely different than the other gospel accounts. And so what we come to is another very unique presentation of what happened the night before Jesus was crucified. In the three other gospels, Jesus shares a Passover meal with the disciples. In this gospel, he does not. He shares a regular meal, but the Passover is the next day. And there's a whole theological purpose behind this gospel writer uh, presenting it that way, but what we find is barely a meal at all and rather the events that take place after the meal. And we're gonna walk through this passage trying to evoke the meanings and the layers to it that are also an invitation into an entirely new reality and way of understanding God, a way of understanding Jesus, a way of understanding our calling and a way of understanding ourselves. So. Are you ready? Here we go. From the Common English Bible, chapter 13, verses 1 through 20. Before the festival of Passover, Jesus knew that his time had come to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them fully. Jesus and his disciples were sharing the evening meal The devil had already provoked Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had given everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table and took off his robes. Picking up a linen towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he was wearing. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. No, Peter said, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't have a place with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus responded, those who have bathed, need only to have their feet washed because they are completely clean. You disciples are clean, but not every one of you. He knew who would betray him. That's why he said, not every one of you is clean. So before we finish the passage, let's let's talk about this first part because this is the first part of what we're being presented. So all of this is framed with that Jesus knows his hour has come and his hour refers to the one event that accomplishes all that he came to accomplish. And John explains this one event through three events. So he explains it in a linear way that we can follow, but really it's all one event to John. So Jesus being lifted up or being exalted or God being glorified in him is really him being lifted on the cross, lifted up from the empty tomb and lifted up into an ascension. And so the events of the next few days are all gonna be the hour. It's kind of a strange way to talk about it. As Jesus knows the hour is coming and knows, as it says twice, that he is returning to God, he's going to be returning to God in a new way. And he's going to be returning to God with us, with him, so to speak, and follow me on this. He is bringing in an entirely new reality and a new relationship between the children of God and God. So we who believe in Jesus Christ are considered children of God. And the children are being welcomed into the presence of God, into what we often use as a metaphor as a household of God. And in that metaphor, God is a father. We are being welcomed into that household. We are now going to be one of the family and we will be as connected and intimate with God as Jesus is connected and intimate with God. Because of Jesus, we are brought into this new relationship and reality, into this new presence with God. And so the first thing you would do when you're welcoming someone into a new home, a new reality, to stick with the metaphor of the home, you would offer an act of hospitality. In this case, washing of the feet. See, the washing of the feet takes place after the meal that they're physically, literally having. And Jesus then, knowing that his hour is come is now welcoming them in. But also he's doing this as a symbol for what he's about to do through the three things that are actually one thing. And so they must receive what he's about to do. Not only is it an act of hospitality, but Jesus is performing an act of service. He is their teacher, he is their master. So he's above them. He he leaves his place at the table and assumes the role of a servant to serve them, to place himself below them, to bring in a new element to his relationship with the disciples. All the while, he is stating that he is God. Every time he says, I am. So God is coming to serve us. And that's a new way to think of it. It was definitely a new way for the disciples, which is why Peter really struggled with this. How could he accept his master being his servant and humiliating himself? It's the root for humble, humbling himself into this act of humility to wash his feet. Peter doesn't understand it. He can't have it. In his mind, there is a hierarchy and God is up here and we are down here. But Jesus is shaking things up and placing himself below them in a way that they resist. Peter represents the disciples in our fourth gospel account. He always represents them. So he's representing them and he's representing us because we might resist this idea. We might think, no, that that cannot be possibly true. And that's what makes this such such a shake up because we are being brought into an entirely new relationship with God as Paul writes a couple of times Jesus who has the fullness of God empties himself out to the point of being a servant and going through this incredible act of love for us when we're not even aware we don't even understand what this is all about all right so we'll move on to the next part After he washed the disciples' feet, he put on his robes and returned to his place at the table. He said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you speak correctly, because I am. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you too must wash each other's feet. I have given you an example. Just as I have done, you also must do. I assure you, servants aren't greater than their master, nor are those who are sent greater than the one who sent them. Since you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know those whom I've chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. The one who eats my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you this now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am I assure you that whoever receives someone I send receives me and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me so he sits them down and this is maybe typically the part you're used to focusing on with the washing of the feet it's not so much this relationship shift but rather how we're supposed to treat each other and that's true but we can't fully understand how we're supposed to regard each other and serve each other in this way until we have first grasped what God has done for us. Only then, in full awareness of receiving something that we certainly can't earn and we don't deserve, but are simply invited to accept, that's a grace that is beyond our ability to fully grasp. Only then, in light of that, can we then turn to one another and truly and honestly and sincerely serve one another with such a love? And we're asked to do this. We're commanded to do this. He will eventually say in verses 33 and 34 of this, or I'm sorry, 34 and 35 of this book, I give you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you. So you also must love each other. This is how people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How does Jesus love? He places himself below us and serves us and welcomes us into the very presence of God when we're not even aware that it's happening and what all it means. What a gift we are given. Of course, all of this is also symbolic to what's getting ready to happen. So as they start to understand why he went to the cross, why he submitted to death, and rises triumphantly and then ascends to the Father and becomes in the very presence of God in a new way and also brings us into the very presence of God in a new way right then and there, this starts to make more sense as they look back on what he has done. He even washed the feet of his betrayer and the betrayer received that washing but rejected the new relationship that was offered rejected the command to go and and serve likewise. So we can receive a washing and then in turn reject it at the same time. This washing is not about baptism. This washing is simply an act of hospitality and an act of service. And so we are being welcomed and that shakes things up. If it doesn't, then maybe you need to read the story again because it it is difficult. We're all like Peter, resisting, not really sure. And when we start to grasp it, then we want our whole body washed and Jesus is like, no, no, you're missing the point. It's not about the water. It's about the relationship. It's about the service. It's about welcoming you in to the presence of God. All these monumental ideas given to people who don't understand it. And here we are, which is why we tell the story every year, and more than that, as we try to relinquish control, as we attempt to submit, to surrender, not only to receive, but then to surrender to one another, our sisters and our brothers, to do as our brother Christ has done, as we saw and received from our father, our parent, God. And so my friends, I invite you to consider these things this evening, to think about what it would have been like to be at that dinner table and receive the washing, to watch Jesus remove his clothes, tie a towel around his waist, and assume the servant posture that God did this for you through the acts that John tells as three equaling one. And may we sit with this as we continue on into the remaining days of this very holy and amazing holy week that shakes everything up. Grace and peace to you.